0: Is it not good to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. Praise the Lord. David says I would rather be here than to be at a lot of other places. Uh, what I'm going to do is there's a video which I just want to play just for three minutes and then, um, then we, will, we, will, we will talk.
1: Kata Beach, Thailand. King's Cup Regatta 2010. Twelve boats were dumped on the beach many more damaged by collisions as their anchors dragged. I was there. It was pitch black at 4 AM and absolute carnage. I heard the crunching of yachts colliding, the clashing of rigging, shouting, and the constant roar of the surf just behind. My anchor held firm in the hard sand, two sizes oversized, well dug in, and plenty of chain. But I had to leave as a big red boat dragged towards my bow. It was a nightmare, on my own, with the crew ashore threading my way through the chaotic mass of boats to the safety of the open sea. But not all the yachts dragged anchor that night. Most were reasonably secure. The sea was very rough, but the wind never went over 25 knots. The yachts that frequently drag typically have inadequate anchors not enough chain and not correctly set. One yacht is dragged onto Cater Beach twice, possibly three times. The big red yacht that attacked me in the night was always drifting off and was nicknamed the drag queen. She was written off a few years later when she dragged onto rocks. It's just tragic to see these beautiful yachts wrecked For the sake of a decent anchor. Frequent anchor draggers are a menace in any anchorage and it's totally unnecessary. Some of the anchor manufacturers and training organizations are far too casual about anchoring safety. They recommend gear that is only good for normal conditions. As soon as the wind gets over 20 to 25 knots, boats are in trouble, blaming poor holding or too much wind.
0: All right, praise the Lord. I thought that will excite you, and you will clap hands at the end. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, actually, I, I wanted to, to start with that video, and then I'll, 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 I'll talk about it later on as we go along. Yeah. The theme for this month, anybody who remembers the theme for this month? <laughs> Is it not Same God, Different Seasons? Okay, so he's the same God, but we go through different seasons, okay? And God remains the same in all the seasons. And I thought, what, what picture would represent this, this question of the same God and different seasons? And I thought maybe if we looked at the, the picture of, of parenting, maybe that gives us a, a, a good idea. Um, when people become parents, they should have become children and they should have been brought up and hopefully brought up properly. And then they can then become Good parents. Okay? Because children who have been raised properly then become good parents. And if you think about it, I mean, parenting is such a daunting task that when you become a parent, and I'm just saying it for tautology, when you become a parent and you have children, that the fate of those children are actually in your hands. And that's why parenting is such a serious matter. And that's why parenting is not for children, it's for adults. Although we know we have parents who are not adults these days, which is a, a big problem. Okay, but. I just want us to look at the fact that for a child to be well-anchored and to be well-balanced, as the child goes through different seasons, the parent must be the same. So the parent is not changing with the child. The child is the one who is changing and the parent remains the same. And that is exactly what happens with our God. We go through different things, but He is the same God, even though we go through different seasons. And I just want us to look at this picture here. The first one on the left, you have got this newborn baby who is oblivious, who is not aware of anything which is happening. But this child is safe because he or she is in the hands, in the safe hands of parents, and at this stage of life, this child knows absolutely nothing, but the parents at this particular stage, they know what they need to do, okay? Those of us who (laughs) were parents, who have been parents, this can be a very difficult stage of a life of a parent, especially if you are a new parent, okay? But this child knows nothing at this stage. And the parent has to make sure that they take care of the child. And we don't know the reason why God designed it this way. Because if you look at animal children, they have to be born and stand up on their two feet. But as human beings, you're going to be dependent on other people for a long, long time. And you wish that those people know something. Because You're going to depend on them. And then this child grows up and becomes a teenager and doesn't know whether he's, when he's a teenager, by the way, he doesn't know whether he's going or he's coming. It's a great time of confusion. But what will help this child at this stage when he doesn't know enough is that he has sameness in his life. The parents remain the same. The parents are there to give this child security, to give this child direction, to give this child an anchor. Something will help this child not to drift in life and to be confused in life. And the Bible talks about being taken all over the place by different types of doctrines when we are not anchored. And these parents are helping this child during their teenage stage to be anchored. You know, we've seen parents at this stage of life, instead of helping their children, actually destroying their children, arguing with their children, and telling their children how bad they are, etc., etc. And that kind of a parent is not the same yesterday, and it's not the same today in the life of this child. And this child does not know enough. But the parent... Must know enough. The parent must be the same. And then he grows up uh, and is about to, to, to get married, to, to get a girlfriend. And uh, yeah, and we must talk a lot about this thing, you know what type of girlfriend do you get? What kind of boyfriend do you have? And you know what the Bible says? Young men listen to. The old man. You know the Bible says that? Oh yes, in the book of Peter it says that. Young men listen to the older men. And why must you listen to the older men? Because they've gone through it before. Because they know it. And something also, the Bible says, children obey your parents. Why must you obey your parents? Because we presume that they've gone through it all, that they know it all, that you don't know enough. Therefore, you need to listen to them. And what does it say about young women? It says, older women teach younger women. And I want to say to you, you know, the problem of knowing too little often is that you think that you know too much. And this is where we go wrong most of the time. Okay. You know, I have always been interested in um, mentoring young, young people. And I've seen a lot of young people, you know, succeeding, doing well. And I've also seen young people failing. And for me, at the end of the day, I've come to a conclusion. You can determine the failure or success of a young person at an early age. And how do you know that? If they are not teachable, they will will not succeed. If they are teachable, you show that they are going to succeed. And that principle is true all the time, and for everybody, it doesn't change. So, our God is the same through our changing seasons, because he's an almighty God. He created the heavens and the earth. So, in life, in order for us to be anchored, and uh, I'll, there's some few things I'll talk about, about this whole thing, about, about being anchored. The Bible talks about a man who delights in the law of the Lord. He says it's like what? It's like a tree planted by the riverside. Okay? And that tree has its roots down. That, root, that tree is standing. And he says everything that he does prospereth. But he says the evil are not like that. But they are like chaff, which is blown by, by the wind. So the chaff doesn't have an anchor a chaff is not anchored. A chaff depends on the direction in which the wind flows. I mean, the wind blows. But when we have found God and, and we know him, he becomes an anchor to us. And that's why, you know, when we have found God and we are anchored in him, even you are young people, you go to university, you'll go to university and come back, you know, get your degree and come back and continue with your life. And people are not anchored, they go to university, and when they come back, they're a completely different person because there's something which is, which is missing there. Okay, and what I want to say here is times change. We all know that, okay, and then technology also changes. Uh, today we use this technology, tomorrow we use that one, uh, and uh, it becomes better all the time, and then we make the worst out of it. You know, It's like social media, very good technology, but uh, what, do we, what are we doing with it? Okay. And But what I want to say is human needs don't change. Our needs don't change. When we are born, we need somebody who can take care of us. And as we continue in life, we need people who can believe in us, who can tell us good things about ourselves. And then as we get older, we need people who can take care of us. That has not changed, and it will not change. And then when you get married, by the way, you, are, you get married for the same reason that people got married when they started married, getting married for the first time. <laughs> I'm saying when you get married, you get married for the same reason that people got married when they got married for the first time. So, the reason why we have so much failure in life today is because we, we want to think that we are something different, that we can do something new, and, and that's where we actually, we actually fail. And actually, uh, <laughs> sorry, I mean, You know, if you put up, if you put on makeup, you are the same person. When you put that makeup off, okay, so you are the same. You cannot change. Uh, If you put on uh, Brazilian, it's not yours. You remain the same. You don't change. Okay, I don't want to go too much into that one. But I'm saying to you, human needs do not change. They do not change. And But what I'm saying here is in terms of parents, what the children need for for their parents is unchangeableness. And you know something very interesting that all of us have experienced. You are all aware that we don't like change. Are you aware of that? It's very interesting. If you go to pick and pay, and you find that, uh, I mean, you've been getting your, uh, your soap from that aisle, and you go there, they've changed it. You get upset, isn't it? Because at our core, we are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We want to remain the same. We don't like change. Okay. All right, let's look at what the Bible says about, about God. When we read from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. What an anchor. What a wonderful thing. Imagine if we had a God who was the same yesterday and he's different today. And we are not sure what he's going to become tomorrow. What confusion that would bring. But at the same time, it says to us, Jesus is able to deal with what you did yesterday. He can deal with what you are doing today. He'll be able to deal with what you're going to do tomorrow. It says at the same time that what cannot be done by any other body or any other institution, God can do that. He can go into your past and if your past was not good, he can heal it. And then he can come, if your today is not okay, he can come into your today, he can heal it. And because he knows where you will be tomorrow, he can deal with that. Because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let's give God a round of applause. The God who does not change. In Numbers 23 verse 19 it says God is not like people. He tells no lies. He's not like human beings. He doesn't change his mind. When he says something he does it. When he makes a promise he keeps it. And this scripture uh, is the story of Balaam and Balak. Balak wanted Balaam to curse the children of Israel. And Balaam said, I cannot curse what God has blessed. And then at this particular time, uh, Balak was assembled with his people and they were doing sacrifices and Balaam, Balaam, Balaam came. And then he asked him, what did you do? How far are you with my assignment of kissing the Israelites? And that's when he said to him, God is not like people. He tells no lies. He's not like human beings. He doesn't change his mind. When he says something, he does it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. And I want to say to you, the Bible says God cannot lie. He does not only say he does not lie. He says he cannot lie. Okay, And he's not like us because I can lie. I've got the possibility and ability to lie. But God cannot lie. So, if you have a God who cannot lie, how strong can be your faith in that God who cannot lie, that God that you can depend on, that you can rely on? That what he said yesterday, he will say it today. He will say it tomorrow. And I want us to look at this whole thing about anchoring. Um, if you look on the left, you know, because technology changes over time. Okay, maybe let, 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 let me start here. Because, I mean, we, we live in land. You know, we, we hardly see the, the sea water. We hardly see ships. And if we see ships, we see them on paper. We never see the, 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 the real ones. <laughs> and then if we see them, we see little ones in the which we, we can sail in the rivers here. Okay, we're talking about anchoring in the sea. Okay. Um, when um, boats pack, <laughs> let's use the word pack, because this is what we know here, isn't it? You know, you pack the cars. We've packed the cars. The cars are packed. Okay, so it's like it's like we you see we've, it's like we've packed the cars here and no? But remember, our cars are packed on land. No? They're not packed in the sea. So now, imagine if these cars were packed in the sea, and then they were just packed there. So what will happen? The the sea will move them. Remember that, isn't it? Okay. So now, um, when the Boats are packed in the ocean, they need something which can hold them down so that if the wind comes, it will not move. That video that you saw there, you saw, for example, I mean, there were some sheep uh, which which were, uh, this guy talked about this, I mean, they were knocking against each other and so on because the sea was rough. So, what happened there is those uh, boats did not have good anchors, so they were not well anchored. So, when there was a strong wind, the wind actually moved them around. So, every boat, every ship has an anchor, okay, so that it can park in the ocean. I mean, can you imagine, you don't have to tie it anywhere, you know, the anchor goes down, and then it gets lodged in the the bed of the sea, and then it keeps that boat so that it doesn't move around. Okay, that's basically what what it means about about anchoring, okay. So, now if you look on the left, uh, technology over time has improved. You've got different types of of anchors, okay. And then what I want you to see is, you've got this big uh, cruise ship, and you've got a small boat there. Both of them need to be anchored so that they don't create a problem. I mean, can you imagine if this big ocean cruise liner it's not anchored and you've got a lot, of, a lot of them in the sea and I mean they're just knocking against each other. okay. And in my mind it's when you have people who are not anchored you will have a lot of conflict. You'll have a lot of commotion. Okay? Because these people are not steady. They can't stand some way. You know, it's knocking each, against each other all the time. And that's why we need Jesus Christ as our anchor so that we can stand where we need to stand. You know, we have a problem sometimes where because of HIV and other things, we have, we've got what you call child-headed families. You know about that? So where children are supposed to be children, now they are parents. Okay, so that's a problem that these poor children cannot solve. But you've got a bigger problem where there are children Child-controlled families, okay, where the children are in control. You know, when a child throws a tantrum, everybody runs around that child. And the child threatens that they're going to kill themselves and we run around, we have to get the uncles and everybody else. We cannot afford that. Families must be run by parents. Okay, so what I'm saying there is it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. You need an anchor for your soul. And I want to argue this morning that Jesus Christ is that anchor because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, let's, let's read uh, the story of, of Abraham uh, and see what God did with Abraham. And there's this thing that I just observe in Scripture. Are you aware that the people that God has called, that people that God called or calls, often they go through a lot of trials in their lives because they have a call of God on their lives. I mean, if you take the story of Abraham, God promises him that he's going to have uh, many children. That's what God promised him. But many, many years pass and Abraham doesn't, doesn't get a child. And he goes through this, this agony, this pain. And what you see, what God wants from these people is he wants them to make him their anchor. Because God has a problem when we, we are moved around, we we are not anchored. I mean, if you look at uh, the, the story of David, David is anointed as king and he goes and he lives in the house of uh, the king at that particular time. And the king puts him through so much trouble. And, but ultimately, David becomes king. But what I'm saying to you is th- th- there is something about the people that God calls that who go through something that God wants them to reach a stage where they can see him as, as their anchor or where they have to reach a stage where they are anchored in god that they, they, they believe in him they trust him and you know uh, okay maybe let me read here because there's, there's some things that we may not understand about about abraham because we don't understand the culture in which abraham lived maybe let, let me just make that comment before I, I read here you know in the african culture if uh a man marries a woman, and they realize that uh, uh, over a period of time, the child is not coming, and somehow the, the mothers have a way of knowing, you know, about their boys, that this boy of mine, yeah, it's, it's trouble here. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the older people know what I'm talking about now. The younger people don't understand what I'm talking about. Okay, so, so, so what, what they will do? They they will uh, get a relative, you know, to come, and then you know, ro you know, I don't know people who know Spedi will. I don't know you know what that means, okay? So they will they will send you on a, a, an assignment, you know, far away where you spend a lot of time there, all right? And then the relative comes in, you know? Yeah, 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 okay. And there was nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong, you know? There's a problem, we're looking for a solution, you know? The same thing if a a woman comes and she's not, you know, She's, I mean, time passes, and they see that there's an issue here. Then they make an arrangement, and they bring in your younger sister or, or somebody. Uh, nothing wrong with that, you know. That's how we are solving the problems in African culture, you know. And actually, it's very interesting. It's a pity that when we we get born again, and we think uh, you know everything about our culture is wrong, you know. In our culture, there were very few people who had problems because problems were solved. You know, we we got a way to solve the problem. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, don't get me started on this topic because I can. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of things that we can talk about here. And also, you know, some people think science—it's Western. You know. Everything which is scientific is Western. You know, our culture has a lot of science. Because what is science? You know, we experiment with things over time, and we see this works, doesn't work, we try this, and then until we find a solution. Okay. And that's why there are some things that you may not understand in our culture which are very scientific. For example, if a child is born, the child must remain in the house for three to six months. By the way, it is because... The immune system of a child at that time is very weak, and then if the child goes around, the the child may get a disease. And did you know, those of you of us who are parents, there's no medicine for not to six years. Did you know that? Okay, if you're not a parent, you'll know that. You know, you know, from six from from six months, that's where you start having medication. You know, there's no medication for for children not to six, so. Can you see how scientific we have been even before <laughs> the, the Western science? Okay, the point I'm trying to make is don't look down on, on our culture. You know, uh, sometimes we even go to villages and uh, everybody understands Sepedi or Sishanga and we preach in English there because we think English is better. What a shame, what a shame to look down on ourselves in that way. Okay, let's not talk about that for a long time. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 to 17, and we talk about Abraham. God made a, 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 a promise to Abraham. Since God had no one greater on whom to base his oath, he based it on himself. You know, uh, I don't know younger people how you make oaths these days. Rena, You remember, we used to say, "Kamao, out. <laughs> Do you know the, you know <laughs> do you know do you know that? You remember that? So if I said to you, you know, come out, come out, come out, come out, really, I cannot I'm not lying, I'm telling you the truth. That's basically what I'm saying to you. Or struth God, struth God, struth God. What do you say, young people, you know, when you make an oath these days? Do you make oath? Do you understand oath making? Okay. So So if you are making an oath, you you base it on somebody greater or bigger than yourself. Okay, So God could not find somebody bigger than himself. Then he made the oath on himself. So Abraham received what God promised because he waited patiently for it. And some of you will say, no, he didn't wait patiently because he slept with his his wife's servant. That was the right thing to do in the culture. If your wife didn't give birth, we, we, we got somebody in. Nothing wrong with that. As Abraham was waiting patiently, he did what the culture permitted at that particular time. So, he waited patiently. Praise the Lord that he waited patiently. So, when people take oaths, they base their oath on someone greater than themselves. Their oaths guarantee what they say and all arguments. And it ends all arguments. So, come on, come on. So, we end all arguments and this thing is settled. So, now, very important, the Bible says, God wouldn't change his plan of blessing Abraham. He wouldn't change it. And he says he wanted to make this perfectly clear to those who would receive his promise. So he took an oath. So the reason why God took an oath, he was just instituting the gospel through his relationship with Abraham. So that those of us who believe today we'll know that we have a God who is unchanging, who cannot lie, who cannot change his mind. And God wanted this to be perfectly clear. And that's why Abraham waited for such a long time, but God would make sure that he kept his promise. Next slide. It says, God did this so that we would be encouraged to know that he's an unchanging God. God cannot lie. When he takes an oath or makes a promise, these two things can never be changed. God's promises and his oaths cannot be changed. And the Bible says that his callings and his promises cannot change. Those of us who have taken, and very important here, those of us who have taken refuge in him hold on to the confidence we have been given. We have this confidence as a sure and strong anchor. It's a sure and strong anchor, which is going to make us to be unmovable. This confidence goes into the holy place behind the curtain where Jesus went before us on our behalf. He has become the chief priest forever in the way Melchizedek was a priest. So this confidence, this faith, is the one which gives us an anchor or becomes an anchor. And I want to say to you this morning, if you have not found Jesus the Bible will say you are like chaff. You are like a ship which is not anchored, which can be moved around by the ocean, can be moved around by the sea. Uh, you know, in Africans, there's something they say: you you must a, a stand place here, stand place. You must have a, you must have a place where you stand, where you can you can stand firm. So, we have this anchor. And I want to say to you this, this morning, you know, there are many fashion gospels and those who are not anchored, the Bible says the, this, this, this fashion gospels, they move them around, you know, they confuse them. But when we have found him and he's an anchor, we will stand, and the wind will blow. By the way, remember the Bible says, Jesus says, when you, 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 you listen to my words and you do the things which I say to you, he says you are like a house which is built on a rock. And if you don't do these things, you are a house which is built on sand. Because I want to say to you this morning, the winds come for everybody. The storms come for everybody. It depends on how anchored you are whether you are going to stand or not stand. And Paul, writing to Titus, he says to him, my message is based on the confidence of eternal life. Remember, the Bible says God loved the world and he gave it his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And he says, God, who never lies, promised this eternal life before The world began. And I want to say to you, you know, our God is not like me. You know, I've gone to school and I've studied, and then what I what I what I what I know today is because of what I studied. Our God is not like that. He he doesn't know what He knows because somebody told him. It's because He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the creator of knowledge. He's our creator. So we can rely on him. We, we, we can trust him. So, and, and, and God, I said it this many times, God does not have plan B. He only has one plan. Because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And I just want to quickly talk about, you know, uh, the, in, the, in the sea, um, for a ship to be well anchored, you need a lot of chain. Okay? And uh, this chain, unfortunately, is also heavy for the boat. So, what some people do is uh, uh, they, they, they put a little bit of chain, you know, because they don't want the boat uh, to be too heavy uh, because they want to carry other things. But unfortunately, when they put little chain and they go to the parts of the sea where you need a lot of chain, that particular ship is not go- going to be properly anchored. And that's what you saw in that uh, video where there, there was a problem with these many, many boats because they were not properly anchored because people didn't have enough chain. And I want to say to you and to myself and to all of us, you know, short, short in life do not help anybody. Do the right thing all the time. You will be okay. Carry enough chain so that when you need to anchor, even in deep waters, even in a lot of uh, wind, you will be well anchored. All right, so what I'm saying here is, if you look on in the middle, in the middle, uh, these are cargo, cargo ships, you know, the ships which carry stuff from one country to the next country. You can see how many of them are there, and then if they should not be properly anchored, they will be chaos. if. The sea becomes boisterous. There's a lot of wind. And then you've got the small ones. They must be anchored. The reason why they're standing steady there, they're anchored. You've got a cruise ship which is also anchored. All of them must be anchored. So it doesn't matter where we are, what we do. Okay, now let's look at something else quickly. Our God is a God who does not lie. He does not change. What about the devil? Let's talk about the devil a little bit. Okay? You know the story that <laughs> the devil was standing at the corner there and, and then uh, uh, he was crying and, and somebody was coming from church. He said, oh, what is the problem, devil? Why are you crying? He said, no, I'm just from that church there. You know, they are blaming me for everything, even what I didn't do. <laughs> blaming me for the things that I even didn't do. Alright, let's talk about the devil. Uh, Jesus Christ is arguing with the Jews. Okay. And they say to him, No, 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 we are the children of Abraham. You you can't tell us anything. We're the children of Abraham and so on. Jesus says to them, You come from your father, the devil. And you desire to do what your father wants you to do. You know what the Bible says to, to us as children of God? What does it say? It says, Resist. The devil, okay, and the children of the devil. What do they do? They do what he wants them to do. So the children of God have to do what to resist the devil. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. He has never been truthful. He doesn't know what the truth is. Whenever he tells a lie, he's doing what comes naturally to him. He is a liar and a father of lies don't become a friend with the devil one old preacher said don't marry a child of the devil because the devil is going to become your father your 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 father-in-law <laughs> okay so the devil is a liar and our god cannot cannot lie the question is can we make God a liar? Remember, same God, different seasons. Can we make him a liar? The Bible says, yes, we can make God a liar. See, the, the first thing is, it says, if we say we have never sinned, we turn God into a liar, and his word is not in us. So, and the Bible says, blessed is a man whose trespasses have been forgiven. And in First John chapter 5, verse 10, it says, those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of God in them. Those who don't believe God have made God a liar. So, so if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not believed the fact that you are born a sinner, that there's nothing that you can do to save yourself, that God sent Jesus on your behalf to come and die for you. The Bible says if you don't accept that testimony of God, then you make God a liar. They haven't believed the testimony that God has given about his son. So also, us as children of God, my wife was telling me uh, an interesting story um, okay I'm, I'm just going to tell you two stories that my wife told me which are, which, are, which are interesting which are inter- very 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 interesting stories the first one which is interesting uh this is, she tells me a story it says you know they say behind every successful man there is a woman you know that ne Okay, and she says no. And when they say that, they don't mean you, the wife. They mean the mother of the child. <laughs> so, so, if you are successful, it's not because of your wife. It's because of your mother. But at the same time, if you are not successful, it's not because of your wife. It's because of your mother. Mothers, please do do, do the right thing. Okay, uh, The the second story that my wife told me is people pray at twelve o'clock at night, you know, because they are fighting against the the witches. Okay? You know you know you know that story? Pray at twelve o'clock. Now they say they discovered that the witches have discovered that they're praying at twelve. Now they are moving the prayer to three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And I'm saying to you, it shows that you are not anchored. It shows that you don't know your God. The Bible says who, those who know their God will do exploits. We don't protect ourselves with our prayers because the Bible says the God that we serve, he neither sleeps nor slumbers. Whether it's 12 o'clock, he's not sleeping. 3 o'clock, he's not sleeping. 1 o'clock, is, don't waste your time, child of God. Pray when you have to pray. Don't pray because the witches tell you when to pray. I mean, really, to be controlled... Oh, no, no, please. To be controlled by the witches, I mean, that's a terrible thing, eh? Okay, it's right. Is it possible to make God a liar? The Bible says in in Psalm 14, verse 1, and Psalm 53, verse 1, the same verse. It says, Godless fools say in their hearts, There is no God. They are corrupt, they do disgusting things, there's no one who does good things. Finally, in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 19 to 21, the Bible says, In spite of all that, God's people have a solid foundation. These words are engraved on it, on that foundation. The Lord knows those who belong to him. The Lord knows those who belong to him. You can, <laughs> we, we can claim to belong to God okay? But his foundation stands firm. It says God knows those who belong to him. And whoever worships the Lord must give up doing wrong. And it says in a large house there are not only objects made of gold and silver, but also those made of wood and clay. Some objects are honored when they are used, others aren't. Those who stop associating with dishonorable people will be honored. They will be set apart for the master's use prepared to do good things. So our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever and He's a God who cannot lie. Praise the Lord. I was talking to Seppo, there's a song which says God cannot lie and that song is very popular. If you go on YouTube, he sung in Zimbabwe, in Ghana, in South Africa. Why did we? Where? How did we miss that song? Do you know that song? God is not a liar. God is not man. He's not, he's not. I was. How did you? How, how did we miss it? I don't know. Okay, I worshipped him. Praise the Lord. Amen.